Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. I was kind of laughing during that opening, but that's because that was my second take of the opening. As many times as I have done a Good Ranchers ad, as many times as I've opened the show saying this episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers, I somehow messed it up. I like messed up the link and said goodranchers.ally. And the reason is because I can see myself in this monitor in front of me and I had a hair sticking out. And so I was trying to multitask. It didn't work. So I had to start over and I was still kind of laughing about that. Anywho, I hope that you guys are having a great day and a great week. We've got a great episode for you today. I am talking to Professor Scott Coley. At the end of this episode, we've got some things to talk about first, but he is a professor of philosophy at uh, Mount St. Mary's University, and he is currently working on a book about the ideology of what he calls the religious right. It's titled Ministers of Propaganda, Truth, Power, and the Ideology of the Religious Right. So you can probably deduce by the title of the book that he is working on that we do not agree. The reason that I'm talking to him is because we had a disagreement all the way back at the beginning of April when I did a satirical video slash satirical thread about um, anti-grooming and how it's not enough to be not a groomer. You have to be actively anti-grooming. And I kind of made this satirical comparison between what is spouted by the left about anti-racism and systemic racism, which of course I've talked about my disagreements with that entire like concept and narrative at length on this podcast, but comparing it to what we are talking about on the right about this problem of pervasive ideological gender grooming that is going on, particularly in our public education system, well documented. Not only if you listen to this show, if you listen to really any conservative show, also if you follow Barry Weiss or Abigail Schreier or Libs of TikTok, I mean, you're seeing this kind of stuff come out all of the time. Unfortunately, these parents going to school boards and reading the curriculum and the books that are being presented to their elementary and middle schoolers about not just transitioning gender, but also things like anal sex and oral sex and I mean, just awful, awful stuff without the knowledge and the consent of the parents. And so, of course, this is a real problem. However, Professor Scott Coley, he did a tweet thread and he criticized people who are kind of making the satirical comparison between critical race theory or being anti-racist and anti-groomer. And one of the things he said that I really took issue with is he said, firstly, the whole grooming conspiracy that's being advanced by the political right in cooperation with the religious right, I'm sure that I fall into those categories, according to him, is an appropriation of an anti-Semitic trope that Christ followers should have nothing to do with. It's not fodder for an insipid metaphor. So I obviously have a problem uh, with that point that's being made. And that is what I am going to discuss with him today. Um, I'm very thankful that as someone who disagrees with me, he was willing to take the time to come on my show. He's also been very uh, flexible, very adaptable because we've had to reschedule quite a few times since May. And so I really appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate the calm and the collected conversation that we have, but we do disagree. And so tune in for that 
debate discussion um, at the end of that, uh, at the end of this. It's a good one. Before we get into uh, that conversation, I do want to talk about some of the things that we're seeing in public schools. But first, I want to react to a hearing that was conducted yesterday in the Senate Judiciary Committee. The hearing was titled Post Row America, the Legal Consequences of the Dobbs decision. So different committees in both the House and the Senate will host these kinds of hearings and both Republicans and Democrats will call their witnesses to kind of contend for their side. And then the representatives or the senators will ask the witnesses, both their witnesses and the other side's witnesses, different questions to, it's typically kind of to, not really to try to trap them, but really the point that the senators and representatives have in questioning the other side's witnesses are typically to like make their own point. I've been a part of one of these hearings in 2019 about abortion in the House of Representatives. So I kind of know how these go. And Senator Hawley uh, used this opportunity, I think in a very productive way, to question one of the witnesses that was brought on by the Democrats. Her name is Kiara M. Bridges. She's a professor of law at the UC Berkeley School of Law to ask her, why is she using this strange phrase, um, people with a capacity for pregnancy? And her response to this, and then his subsequent response, it's just stunning. And it shows us exactly the crazy place that we are as a country and i'll react to that before before we play it let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day that is genucell all right if you are looking for awesome skincare that helps you look your best and brings out all of the natural beauty that is already there then you should check out genucell no one likes to have eye bags or puffiness when you're tired those of you who are moms of little ones you know how this is sometimes you are running on very little sleep and no one wants to look like they're tired and so genucell has you taken care of they know that your under eyes need a different kind of hydration than the rest of your skin that's why they've sold over 1 million products and their original product for under eye bags is still a top seller so you can look rejuvenated even if you don't feel it by using GenuCell for bags and puffiness. And plus, if you use my code, you can save over 65% off on retail. GenuCell guarantees results or your money back. So order GenuCell for bags and puffiness today with their most popular package and save over 65% off. Go to GenuCell.com slash Allie. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Allie. Enter my promo code Allie for an extra discount. Every order includes GenuCell's new dark spot corrector just in time for summer plus free shipping. That's GenuCell.com slash Allie. GenuCell.com slash Allie. All right, let me play you this exchange between Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri, and this UC Berkeley School of Law professor. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a we can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is is that the core of this this right then is about what? 
So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing them. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? Because so we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm is denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking Are you? you if you're talking Are you? about women Are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people exist? Thank and that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Absolutely. Or are they also treated like this? Where no, no, no. They're, they're told that to they're question. opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow. I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot I just know. in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Yep. Oh my gosh, she is the exact attitude that progressive activists and politicians love. Just like you can just see it in her eyes, how angry she is and how just like sarcastic and entitled she truly seems to be. And so obviously this is ridiculous for a number of reasons. I don't have to tell my I don't have to tell my audience why this is ridiculous, but I mean, I guess I will. The fact that we have a law professor at UC Berkeley. Now, UC Berkeley is extremely far left. I spoke there back in 2019. No, 2018. Fall of 2018. Craziest speaking experience I've ever had. I've spoken at a lot of places, some more hostile than others. Most most places, though, I will say whether they have progressive or conservative students have been uh, pretty polite and they've asked questions and disagreed and that's been fine. That was not the case at UC Berkeley. I know this is just an aside, but as I was speaking, I actually thought that I was giving a very like middle of the road um, uh, presentation. I was asked by this professor to come in and talk about like the differences between the right and the left and just describing from my perspective the different priorities of the Republican and Democrat Party. I actually thought that I was being very fair. And as I was talking, I was getting screamed at by these students. It's like they had never heard someone to the right of Bernie Sanders. This was also during the whole Kavanaugh debacle. And when I was asked like, why I would support like Kavanaugh or how I could support like someone like him being a Supreme Court justice. And I said something along the lines of we have no idea if Christine Blasey Ford is telling you the truth. I mean, they lost it. One of like the greatest moments was this girl was screaming like a banshee and she stood up and she was like, yeah, I have a question. And she just went on and on and on and on and on and on. And I just paused and I looked at her. And I said, do you have a question? And she, uh, 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 and she just flustered and she sat down and then the professor got on to her and was like, you have to have a question. You can't just like want to hear yourself talk. My husband was also in the audience and he still has a picture of like his heart rate monitor on his watch that he was wearing at the time. It was like, I mean, his heart was beating like a hundred beats per minute. It was very stressful. So anyway, I'm not surprised at all that someone like this, who is this detached from reality is teaching at UC Berkeley. But think about like all of the hundreds of students that are under her tutelage who are now going to be carrying on these ideas. I think that Senator Hawley made a really good point when he said, oh, is this how you treat your classroom? That if someone is questioning anything that they are perpetuating violence, of course, that's probably that's how she conducts her classroom. And that is, of course, how progressivism thinks. If you go outside of what they assert is true, no matter how absurd it is, like the idea that men can get pregnant or that there is even such a thing as so-called trans men, then 
uh, you are causing violence. That's how they manipulate you. That's how they extort you. That you are not even allowed to suggest that maybe two plus two always makes four uh, without threatening the uh, safety and the survival of the number five. I mean, that's how ridiculous it is. And that's, of course, what she's doing. And it's, it's scary that this kind of ideology is so pervasive in academia in the United States, and it's making its way into the law. We've already seen the manifestations of that, of course, especially when we talk about for example, like men being able to infiltrate women's prisons just by identifying as a woman and then raping and assaulting the actual women who are in women's prisons. That is where this kind of line of thinking goes, especially when it comes to the law. And it should be no surprise, as Christopher Rufo also uncovered, uh, that this person has uh, written work about the legitimacy of critical race theory, which also is extremely consequential and disturbing when you're thinking about the rule of law. Like if you've read Introduction to uh, Critical Race Theory or Critical Race Theory and Introduction by Richard Delgado, you will see what the consequences are of the ideas of critical race theory characterizing our law and our justice system. You're talking about a form of so-called reverse uh, discrimination against people who are not seen as marginalized, which is not actually justice because it's not impartial in order to try to create um equal outcomes, it always leads to a new form of oppression, as Thomas Sowell has talked about many times. Anyway, this person is very dangerous. This person has such an attitude, which is why all the Democrats are applauding her and um, think that she is great. And of course, you are not allowed to even question what she says is the new definition of reality without being someone who is perpetuating violence. Look, you're going to be bullied in this exact same way. You are going to uh, be accused of promoting all kinds of terrible things against people who identify as the opposite gender of what they are by simply speaking truth. You have to speak truth anyway. Two and two will always be four. It's not just about what is physically true, what is scientifically true. It is also about the implications and the manifestations um, of this kind of ideology when it comes to fairness and privacy and rights and protection of women and girls. Men will never be able to become women. Women will never be able to become men. You can change your pronouns. You can get surgery. Um, you can declare and identify as whatever you want to that will not change physical reality. And physical reality really matters. And it should certainly be reflected in the law. Good for Senator Hawley for bringing this up and um, highlighting this. And then we've also got this crazy exchange uh, between Senator Cornyn and this witness. Here's that. Do you think a, a baby that is delivered alive has value? Yes. Do you think that a, um, a, a baby that is not yet born has value? I believe that a person with a capacity for pregnancy has value. They have intelligence. They have agency. They no, have I'm dignity. talking about the baby. And I'm talking about the person with the capacity for and I'm, you're not answering the question. I'm asking a more interesting you think question that, to you me. You think that the baby that is not yet born, let's say the day before this mother delivers, do you think that baby has value? I think that the person with the capacity for pregnancy has value and they, have the, they should have the ability to control what happens to their lives. 
So the answer, so the answer is no. The answer is no. I mean, we can just we we can disregard the person with the capacity for pregnancy. Like, oh my gosh, that kind of newspeak is so ridiculous. Like, we can't even just say the word that we all know is the only word to describe what a person with the capacity for pregnancy is. We have to use like five words to convey one idea that it has been known in all cultures throughout all of human history because we are stupid. As a society, our smartest and most credentialed people are the dumbest people in society. We live in a cakeistocracy. If you don't know what that is, look it up. So she doesn't believe that the human being inside the womb has value, even if it's at 40 weeks of pregnancy, because she's saying, okay, well, the woman, the woman is the person that has value. What she is obviously implying in the interesting question that she is answering is that she believes that abortion should be allowed through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason because the woman who is pregnant wants to because her value, I guess, for some reason that she doesn't ever actually logically or philosophically explain has more value than the baby inside the womb. Why? Because of location? Like because of size? Why? Because it's attached by an umbilical cord? Those are all very arbitrary reasons to say that it is okay to kill a child and it's a very arbitrary reason to say that that child doesn't have as much value as the grown adult. Does a toddler not as, have as much value um, or as much of a right to live as a teenager? If not, if not, if you think that's ridiculous, then why is it that the mother has more value and more of a right to kill her child than the child has to live? It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And again, these are the people who are influencing the next generation of lawyers and judges. I mean, we are in serious trouble unless the pendulum swings in uh, the other direction. So I just wanted to respond to that. Also, if you haven't listened, speaking of abortion, if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode where I break down Emmanuel Ocho's recent uncomfortable conversation about abortion in which he doesn't represent the pro-life side at all and in which Christianity is grossly misrepresented, definitely go listen um, to yesterday's episode. All right. uh, Now switching gears into the the conversation that we are having today, I do want to play a couple clips that is uh, that are going to lead us into this conversation about what's going on in public education but let me pause and let me tell you about our second sponsor for the day and that is good ranchers all right you guys know how important having family dinner with your kids is this is where you have very formative and very impactful conversations this is where you can build values this is a great discipleship opportunity for your family a great bonding opportunity and you want to make sure that when you have these dinner table conversations that what is on your dinner plate is actually good you want to make sure that it's from good ranchers good ranchers is 100 american meat it's better than organic chicken it's craft beef it's high quality seafood all from American farms and ranches. It delivers this meat to your front door on dry ice. It's really good. We ate, I ate a, I think it was a ribeye last night. My husband ate a T-bone from Good Ranchers. We love it. We eat it almost every night. Makes our life so much easier. Make sure to use my code Allie to get $30 off your order at goodranchers.com slash Allie plus free shipping. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie to start bringing people to the table creating change in America and eating seriously delicious food from Good Ranchers. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. All right. So speaking of the craziness and the absurdity and the destructive nature 
of gender ideology. Um, let's look at some of the things that are happening in our schools. And if you have listened to me for any amount of time, you know how pervasive this problem is of teachers of elementary and middle schoolers talking about switching your gender, talking about transitioning without the knowledge and the consent of the parents. And as I will talk about with Dr. Scott Coley, the consequence of that very often is self-harm and suicide by these kids who have been separated from their parents for the purpose of transitioning, for the purpose of what I call gender grooming. But there is also an explicitly sexual part of this, um, that these young students are being presented either directly in curriculum or in the library with these uh, explicit books about different types of sex that young kids should not be learning about, especially outside of the supervision and the knowledge of their parents, the people who care about them most. And some parents who are really concerned about this have been going to school boards for the past couple of years and have been confronting the school board about the kinds of books that are being read to their students or made available to their students in the library. So here is one parent sounding the alarm about this at a school board meeting. So that is that is one of many examples. Very often these school boards will cut off the parent who is trying to who who is trying to like read the stuff that their kids are learning and the school board will say, "Well, this is inappropriate for public consumption, but it's okay for the private consumption of kids without the supervision or consent of their parents." I mean, it's really it's really scary. It's really sad what's happening and no matter what people say, this is happening. And we are going to debate discuss that with this professor, Dr. Scott Coley. Right now, before we get into it, let me go ahead and tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is Carly Jean Los Angeles. I love Carly Jean Los Angeles. And I'm wearing a Carly Jean Los Angeles shirt right now. It's super cute. It's this little tank top if you're watching on, um, on YouTube. I love all of their stuff. They've got a bunch of stuff that's made just in the United States. Their basic line, all made in the U.S. You guys know how much I care about that. All their stuff is really simple. It's really versatile. You can wear it in any season of life, any season of the year. Plus, it's a company run by people who share our value. So you can feel really good about spending your money there. Uh, you can use my promo code Allie. Basic, you'll save 20% off your first order of USA made basics. That's CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, Alley Basic for 20% off your first order of USA made basics. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Dr. Coley, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. We have very different perspectives on all sorts of things. Uh, we're going to focus on one thing in particular today, and that is this concept of grooming in schools that conservatives have been talking about a lot and your take on that. But before we get into it, can you just tell people who you are and what you do? Uh, so my name is Scott Coley. I teach philosophy, mainly uh, history of philosophy, logic, 
uh, social and political ethics. Uh, and so my work deals, uh, at the moment, uh, I'm working on a book about um, ideology and propaganda on the religious right. You Do you identify as a progressive? Is that how you would describe your political views? I, th- I think, sure. Uh, politically progressive, uh, theologically conservative. So the reason that we interacted first on Twitter, I think it was the first time that we interacted. It was a couple months ago. Let's see, it was April. And you did a thread about... Um, something that was happening on the right, something that I did, and that was like a satirical comparison between critical race theory and critical grooming theory. Of course, my satirical point that I was making is that you can't just be uh, not a groomer. You have to be anti-grooming, and it's part of this pervasive system that is basically inescapable. And you took issue with that in um, a very well-articulated thread. And one point that you make was that the whole grooming conspiracy, you said, that's being advanced by the political right in cooperation with the religious right is an appropriation of an anti-Semitic trope that Christ followers should have nothing to do with. And of course, I disagree agreed with that and you said that I was bad at reading. So if you could better explain, since I seem to misunderstand what you meant, if you could better explain what you mean by that. Sure. So uh, to be clear, um, you and actually I, I saw the thread from uh, a thread from someone else. Uh, I don't think I was aware of your thread until um, we interacted. But um, to be clear, I'm not accusing you of anti-Semitism per se, right? Um, but this uh, notion that uh, the public school system has been uh, turned into or turned over to uh, some sort of pedophile ring or something like this um, is part of a, a broader dialectic, right? Wherein there are so right. So who's supposed to be responsible for the whole? Let's just walk through it, right? Who's supposed to be responsible for the sort of grooming? Thing, right? Who, who's allowing this to happen? Are you asking me or is this a rhetorical question that you're... No, no, no. I'm asking you, like, who's responsible? Well, I don't know that I would literally say that it is a systemic grooming problem. My point would be that either ideological or in some instances, sexual grooming is happening um, on a basis that is not highlighted enough in the education system, especially when it comes to gender ideology. So if your point that you're about to make or try to the parallel that you're making is that I believe it's some like secret cabal of Jewish people at the top of public education that is like pushing this grooming. That's certainly not what I believe. I can't speak for everyone. Right. Um, but right. I, I understand that you're trying to say that it's basically like this QAnon conspiracy theory in which they think that there is this cabal of elites that's running a pedophile ring and that Donald Trump is going to like come in and save the day. So you think that's basically what people who are complaining about grooming a public education system are doing? Well, I'm, I'm aware of quite a few people who say that there's basically uh, how do they characterize it as a handshake agreement between um, this you know group of uh, people who are abusing children and uh, sort of elites right that's the key word you just use the word elite right and that that word elite is in quotes or you know triple parentheses or whatever and somehow it always leads back to George Soros or something like that right you're aware that this that this dynamic 
uh, well, I think, yeah, so I think that probably just as there are like things on the left that I don't completely understand and that I conflate because I'm coming from a more antagonistic perspective of progressivism, I do think it's easy to conflate like real complaints about George Soros and how he is funding, for example, progressive DAs, which conservatives would disagree with. And some of the organizations that he has funded and the policies that he has kind of advocated for in the United States. And then this group of truly like white supremacist, racist people who think, and I've seen them too. I'm not denying that they exist. And maybe they identify as the right of people who think that, you know, Jews are controlling the world and that they're controlling our entertainment, whatever it is. Um, I definitely think it's wrong to conflate people who say, oh, George Soros is behind a lot of bad stuff in the United States and people who think that like Jews are ruining the world. And I definitely think it's wrong to conflate the parents who are worried about a lot of the grooming type curriculum in public schools and then these like anti-Semitic QAnon conspiracy peddlers. And that's what it seems like you're doing. Okay. So the way that uh, sort of conspiracy theory theory ecosystems operate, um, it's, uh, so I want to make two points. The first is that it can be, um, contribute to the toxicity of um, ecosystems in which conspiracy theories thrive uh, for people who don't necessarily endorse sort of, uh, you know, the whole anti-Semitic global elite sort of narrative to say like, well, I'm just asking some questions here, right? Um, uh, but second point and relatedly, um, you say that, that you know parents uh, and other people have concerns about grooming type behavior in yeah. um, public schools and public school curriculum. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if you could say a little bit more about that because um, you said yeah. a moment ago that you're not actually alleging some kind of systemic sort of thing. And that's kind of the linchpin that connects it, that connects the claim to the conspiracy theory bit, right? Is that there's this huge conspiracy. So if you don't actually think that's going on, right? And the real concern is that uh, there are elements of the curriculum in say sex education or uh, yeah, what have you, right? That are contributing yeah. to yeah. Say, you know grooming behavior. Right. I wonder if you could right. say a little bit more about what you mean by that. Yes. So yeah. I think that there's a difference between prevalence and or something that is prevalent and something that is systemic. If I am defining systemic correctly, it's everywhere. It's within the system. It's within the institutions. And I do think that there are, in in my opinion, from my perspective, like I think that teachers unions in general are toxic. And I do think that a lot of the organizations that push the curriculum that I would see as destructive, um, that... I mean, that is part of, I guess, the system and the institution. But when I think about systemic, I think about it's everywhere. It's in the foundation. It's inescapable. And I'm not sure that that is true of the public education system. But do I think it's pervasive or do I think it's prevalent? I do. And example after example has demonstrated that to me over the past year and really has changed my perspective on like the health of our public education system when it comes to what is being taught. And so I can kind of give some examples um, about that. There is, there's this terrible 
lawsuit that is occurring in California right now, and it is a mother versus Speckles Union. She is actually suing the middle school in California because her daughter was recruited uh, to join the Equality Club in sixth grade and told she may be transgender and bisexual. The teachers encouraged Jessica Conan's daughter to change her name to a boy's name as an expression of her new identity and specifically instructed her not to tell her mother about her new identity. And then a part of this lawsuit actually alleges that there is a parental secrecy policy at this school in which the kids are instructed, hey, you can transition at school, you can identify as something else at school, and we will not tell your parents. There's also a Florida lawsuit. The parents of a Florida elementary school student are suing their daughter's school district after their child attempted to commit suicide following the school's efforts to orchestrate her secret transition to a male gender identity. There was this horrible, I'm sure you would agree, a tragic story of this immigrant, Yaley Martinez. She was told by her middle school and then high school that, hey, maybe because you like boy stuff, you should transition to the opposite sex. Her mother had no idea that that was something that was happening. She wasn't able to give her the support, provide the support that she needed. The school actually took the teenager out of her home saying, hey, this mother is not being supportive of this gender transition. This child bounced around to different um, group homes and ended up throwing herself on the train tracks and committing suicide. And so these are just a few examples. Transition Closet has also been funded just recently in Columbia, uh, Missouri. These are just a few examples. I could go through example after example of this kind of behavior by schools to draw a, or to drive a wedge between parents and their children. Um, and I'm sure you have a different perspective on this, but if that is not a form of grooming, I don't know what is. I mean, that is an aspect of what predators do. You drive a wedge between the person who is supposed to protect the child and the child. And so that's what I'm seeing. That's what breaks my heart. That's what scares me. I certainly don't connect it to some like grand anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. That's just something I'm seeing as a mom, as a person that really worries me for kids. Does that not concern you? Uh, So so is the allegation that I'll stipulate to all the all the facts under litigation. Um, uh, Is the allegation that the teachers were then preparing to sexually assault the students? No. And I I don't think that that is what is being claimed by a lot of people. Of course, there are instances of grooming. It's right. I mean, it's no. And I, I think that actually conservatives have been very specific. Now, maybe if you're not completely privy to like the conversations that conservatives are having among each amongst each other, which I they've changed the understand. Well, I think that there is a form of ideological grooming or we believe grooming or pressuring into believing. Yes, but I think that we have been pretty specific. I, I believe that we have been pretty specific about what exactly we mean by grooming ideological grooming. Of course, I do believe that there is sexual grooming in every institution. You've brought it up. This has happened in the church as well. And so I'm not minimizing like any of the dangers or the reality of that happening in other places beyond um, the public education system. So I don't think in every instance, this is a situation where teachers are looking to sexually assault the students. Of course, that happens. But do I think it is a form of grooming children into a certain kind of behavior, into a certain kind of lifestyle without the consent and the knowledge of their parents in order to conform the kids into their own image or their own ideology or whatever it is, or whether they think they're being inclusive and great. It is a form of grooming a child into a certain lifestyle that is, in my opinion, extremely destructive. 
Right. So the so this uh, actually has some resonances with this sort of um, conspiracy type approach to these issues, right? And the idea is that um, the whole reason why elites have uh, reached this bargain with people who are, I guess, ideologically grooming children is that uh, they want to destabilize society by alienating children from their parents, uh, making way for, uh, you know, the construction of a new social order. So I'm Uh, not really even sure how we can say that that's a conspiracy. Like, I mean, what do you make of these, like, transition closets and these instances of of schools and teachers and guidance counselors saying, hey, yeah, we're going to transition you. We're going to pull you from your home because you're 13 years old and your parent says, oh, no, my daughter's not a son and I'm not going to go along with this, even though I love them very much. Like, I mean, what what do you think of that? What do you think the purpose is behind that? uh, Oh, I I mean, I can't, I don't know what the the motive is. I can't, I can't speak to that. But do I think that um, it's connected to a, a Marxist strategy for destabilizing society in general. Well, I don't think that that is social- probably the intent of a lot of people, but I, that is also always the natural progressive uh, progression of of Marxism and progressivism in general. It's destabilizing because it seeks to tear down and it really never has anything cohesive or coherent to replace it with, of course, from my perspective. Well, well there are ideas, but they, don't, they never seem to work out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So why yeah. are you a progressive? Yeah, no, no, no. But, yeah, yeah. no I'm definitely, if you're looking to talk with a Marxist, you pick the wrong person. I'm not, no, not I'm, I, I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to like accuse you of being a Marxist. I guess all I'm saying is that, OK, these are like very legitimate concerns. And maybe you can maybe you don't like the word grooming because you think, OK, there's always sexual connotations with that. And that is like the wrong accusation. And I can I can understand I can understand that uh, for sure. And maybe I should just like be more careful about choosing the word. But it, I mean, it is it is a form if you're talking to kindergartners, which is something that's happened. Like if you were introducing a book like Gender Queer to elementary and to middle school students and we're talking about like graphic images of like oral sex and talking about like switching your gender at that young of an age when a child's mind is so malleable, like when you know they can be shaped, introducing that kind of sexual graphic content and that kind of confusion that has to do with their genitals it does like if you're talking to students about that without the consent and the knowledge of the parent even if your intent is not to sexually assault them like what do you call that other than grooming like do you think that's just good inclusive teaching i I absolutely do not endorse showing graphic sexual images to kindergartners so you would think it's a problem that in many middle yes. schools and elementary schools across the country, that book Gender Queer is on the shelves for kids to read. Uh, yeah, I guess I would. I wonder how prevalent that is. Um, I, do, I don't doubt that it. I don't doubt that it's happened. I'm not. I'm not. Do you think that, that it's? Do you think it's okay for teachers to talk to elementary school students about like switching their gender and changing their pronouns without their parents' knowledge and consent? In a so then I guess you're saying this is happening in the context of a classroom, like the teacher yeah. is just talking to all, the whole class, like, oh, by the way. Um, yeah, teaching them about like so-called gender inclusion and that it's possible to be born a girl and assign sex at birth and then change your gender later on. Do you think that's OK? Like as a part of the curriculum to just present. Or do you think it's a teacher? Like, do you think it's OK for a teacher to be talking about that to young students? 
I, I guess context is always like, does this, has the student approached the teacher and with concerns about this? And the teacher like brings in the guidance counselor, like all well, of the I don't. I mean, course, I, I guess I don't not... know the hypothetical situations. I'm not sure if <laughs> you're probably not a fan of libs of TikTok, but the teachers that we see every <laughs> single day, like posting videos saying, oh, you know, today I um, read a book about like, I am jazz, or I think uh, it's one is called like, Jackie, not Jack, these children's books that are about, hey, if you want to change your clothes and if you want to be a different gender, I mean, I can't tell you that this is happening at every public school, at every public school district, but there are enough complaints leveled. There is enough video evidence of this happening, admissions by teachers happening on a daily basis that we know that it's happening across the country at, I think, a pretty scary clip um, from my perspective. And so... I'm just curious, like, what you think about that? Like, do you still think that people who are complaining about that being a form of grooming are, like, contributing to an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory? Oh, right. Okay. So, again, I'm not accusing you or anyone who's, uh, who, any but specific con- people who are, who are, put, you know, talking about this on Twitter on that particular day a couple months ago of, of uh, themselves advancing uh, anti-Semitism uh but I, I, my the point, right, so a trope, right, I called it a trope for a reason. A trope is a kind of refrain, right? Um, it's a, a, you know, musical term to have to do, has to do with melody, right? There's a certain kind of melody that it follows. Um, yeah, so do I think that parents, here's the essence of the question, I think. Do I think that parents who complain about their first grader being read stories by a public school teacher uh, that suggests that they should consider changing their gender, who complain, are therefore guilty of advancing anti-Semitism? No, I do not. Quick break to tell you about an awesome sponsor, an amazing organization, and that is Moms for Liberty. This is the perfect sponsor for what we're talking about right now. If you are troubled by what kids are learning, even if your kids aren't in public school, your kids are in private school or they're homeschooled, you should still be concerned about this stuff that's going on in public education because like, these are the future voters. These are the future leaders. These are the people that your kids are going to live next to when they're adults. And so this has a major impact on our communities and as our country as a whole. We should all care about good and challenging and non-sexual and non-gender grooming curriculum being taught to kids in our neighborhoods and in our districts. And that is why Moms for Liberty exists. They're dedicated to fighting for the survival of America by unifying, educating, and empowering parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. They're holding leaders accountable or working to replace them with liberty-minded individuals. They engage communities and elected leaders on key issues impacting our families. They activate liberty-minded leaders to serve in elected positions. Moms for Liberty was started by two moms, former school board members, who saw behind the education curtain and now they're fighting to change it they're, they're building an army of moms who are joyful warriors fighting for the survival of america they fight like heck with a smile on their faces and they do not co-parent with the government check them out or to see if there's a local chapter near you go to momsforliberty.org slash alley that's momsforliberty.org slash alley so 
then the people like me, commentators who are seeing, wow, this didn't just happen once or twice, but this is happening over and over again, it seems. It seems like there's lots of parents across the country, even if it's only hundreds. Yes, percentage wise, that's small, but okay, that's happening. Hundreds of parents at least are complaining about this kind of thing and those kinds of books in the library. Okay, so you talk about that and you complain about that and you say, hey, this is a form of grooming that seems to be happening. These transition clauses, the separation of parent and child, there's this terrible story and I'm sure that you disagree with this happening, but a 17-year-old student um, in Ohio at Hudson High School, he told his parent that he was prompted by the teacher to write a sex scene that they wouldn't show their mom and actually posted like a worksheet of that assignment Um, I mean, that kind of thing, unfortunately, is happening. So people who complain about that are saying, hey, this is happening more than once. This is a problem. We should probably be against that. It just doesn't seem I don't see the connection, the real connection, the provable connection between that and the QAnon trope that you say is being appropriated here. It just seems like you use that originally to like delegitimize and dismiss people's real concerns about this happening. So, so, so remember that, remember the connection, right? So the connection is that there is an agreement between people who are uh, grooming sexually or ideologically grooming uh, children, right? And if ideologically, then the, um, the uh, say indoctrination has to do with gender and sexuality, right? Um, and that there's an agreement between the folks who are doing that in the public school system and then elites who are allowing this to happen because they want to alienate children from their parents, destabilize society in order to deconstruct the social order and reconstruct society, I mean, presumably along communist lines with you know central economic planning and all that, uh, and eventually you know lead to some kind of one world government or something like that, right? That is the anti-Semitic bit. Now, I understand that uh, you didn't mean to imply all of that. Uh, and again, I didn't see your your thread until after we communicated. Yeah, uh, I, I think our- that it's, I, I still think it's like, it's such an unfair categorization. It would be the same thing as me saying, hey, you say systemic racism is real because of X, Y, Z. Well, critical race theory also says systemic racism is real. Critical race theory is a subset of critical theory. Critical theory is a subset of Marxists. You're a Marxist and you really do want to destabilize society because you believe in those things. That would be an unfair accusation of people who believe that systemic racism is real, right? That would be unfair for uh, me right, okay, to but say. I don't think that's a fair. And actually, I I think that that, like it's that is actually much more logical and I have a much better case to make than the one that you're making. Uh, So I'm not sure that's a fair analogy um, because I I, I pointed out, I believe that um, the talk of uh, quote unquote grooming uh, is part of a conspiracy theory that's documented right, uh, that plays on anti-Semitic tropes. I didn't say you're talking about children being groomed in public schools, therefore you are an anti-Semite. I, I didn't say that, and I wouldn't say that. I was, uh, I want to say I was careful not to say that, but I, I did, I'm, I'm not sure yeah. how much care yeah. was involved. I just, that, that's just not a claim I make. Okay, well, I definitely, I don't want to 
seem like I'm putting words in your mouth or accusing you of something that you didn't do because you're right. You said that it's an appropriation of an anti-Semitic trope. You didn't say everyone who complains about this is an anti-Semite. So I don't want it to seem like I'm implying that. I simply think that making that connection, even making that connection is in a way implying that people who complain about it are at the very least appropriating or contributing to or a part of even unknowingly some kind of grand conspiracy theory that does even if that's not the intent the impact is to delegitimize uh, people's real concerns about this and kind of describe it as some kind of moral panic and propaganda by the religious right when unfortunately there's a lot of evidence of this happening. Um, I'll give you I'll give you the final word and then um, let you tell people where they can find you if they want to follow you. Okay. Um, so it, it sounds to me like um, what you're describing is concerns about a number of you know concerning incidents. Yeah. And uh, it sounds to me like you're not actually claiming that there is some kind of uh, con- conspiracy uh, at work here. And well, so I, I think- do think that it is, I do think it is intentional. I, I think that the impact will be the destabilization of society. And I don't think it's any question that the public education system is run mostly by people who have a progressive ideology. That's been true for a very long time. If you look at the uh, political leanings of the teachers unions and where this curriculum is coming from, like, you're not seeing, oh, there's like also there's a huge push for like uh, hard right conservative like curriculum or there has been over the past 60 years. There's been some like Christian nationalist takeover of like the public educa- education system. But you can't well, there hasn't see. Actually, so there's an interesting book called The Hijacking of History that you might be interested to read. Um, there, uh, particularly uh, school boards in Texas have very much been taken over by uh, the religious right. And this and this uh as goes Texas, so goes many states because the public school system in Texas is quite large uh, and therefore has wow. a lot of purchasing power. That would be uh, that would be like that would be quite the pendulum swing if uh, I, I, public I education it. system swings to the right and swings to uh, Christianity. Well, but I, have, I, I have I have students, I have college students sometimes who grew up in the South, as did I. Right. And so I, I had similar experiences who like they they sincerely believe that uh, the Civil War was about liberty on the side of the South. Yeah, there, right? I mean- That's propaganda and it's still in public school textbooks in the South, this is documented. I, I, I hear people say that and I am sure that there are incidents, unfortunately, of that happening. I grew up in Texas. I went to a private Christian That's school, very conservative. And I learned everything about the Holocaust, about the Trail of Tears, about slavery, about the Civil War. And I'm not saying, oh, well, just because I experienced that, that means that no one's different experience is legitimate. I'm not I'm not saying that, but I hear those kind of anecdotes all the time. And I'm not saying that there's no misinformation that comes from the right or conservative school districts. My argument, my contention is that the kind of ideological grooming that we are seeing in the form of gender ideology from progressives is a lot more pervasive. And in my opinion, like if we're going to weigh the two, a lot more destructive. That's my point. You have a different perspective. And I do really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk to me about it. Hopefully when we have- It's been a pleasure. More time, maybe we can talk about. Uh, you have a book coming out, I think, yes. right? And yes. so maybe when the book comes out, you can come back on, and after I read it, we can talk about the different points and where we agree and disagree. 
That would be delightful. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Thanks for coming on, Dr. Coley. All right. I hope that you guys enjoyed that, that you got a lot out of it. I do really appreciate, as I said, him coming on and having the discussion with me. Hopefully we'll be able to have him back and and uh, talk even further. Tomorrow I will be talking to Steve Dace about this Hunter Biden drama, which I really haven't talked about because it really makes me sad and it really grosses me out too. But it's actually, it's it's important. It's important for us to know why it matters to us, how it impacts us, how it impacts national security, and how it fits into everything that is going on in the geopolitical sphere. And so, and even theologically, what are the theological implications of how we should think about like our leaders engaging in this kind of behavior? Because it's not just Hunter Biden, it's also how Joe Biden is complicit and compromised in all of this. And so uh, we'll be discussing that with Steve Dace tomorrow. We'll also be covering some other things as well. So make sure that you tune into that. If you love this podcast, as always, please leave us a five-star review. That would mean a lot. We will see you guys back here tomorrow. 